So, John, if you could have sex with any robot or android from film or TV history, which one would you pick? C-3PO. Whoa, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I think you'd be into it. You've got some issues. to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films I don't have any. I'm Harry, and joining me this week is John. I said this week again. Joining me as always is John. Hello. Hi, John. Feeling very insecure about my position right now. Yeah, you're still here. No plans, no plans. (laughs) And this week we're doing artificial, sorry, AI artificial intelligence. Yes. Okay, John, why did he pick this? I was really interested to know what you would think about this film, actually. Mm. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. I could tell. I, I was... I mean, I forgot to do it, but I was so close to sending you a text last night as I watched this going, hey, John, I've watched this. I've got some things to say. <laughs> Good, I've got <laughs> <laughs> This film went there. Yeah. This, this film took some directions. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Okay, well, my first question, I'm hoping that you know, what was the situation with directors of this film? Okay, yes. Yeah, so this film was originally supposed to be directed by Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. who did 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Shining, yeah. of, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, etc. And then... Eventually, Steven he decided that it was more of a Steven Spielberg film, so Steven Spielberg took over, and then Stanley Kubrick died, and Steven Spielberg finished the movie. I think that's right, okay. the chronology. Yeah, because yeah, I, I heard a little bit about it. I was got to talk about our next episode with all my friends to death, and they hate me for it. And so somebody said that, yeah, it's half Stanley Kubrick, half Steven Spielberg, and you'll clearly notice the difference where Spielberg takes over. Was this your first time watching it? No, no, it wasn't. So I did watch it many many years ago as a child and the only things I remember from it are well I remembered just one thing which was the bit where he eats that salad or whatever and his face melts I remember that from my nightmares Um, (laughs) that was freaky even now because it was kind of at the end of the bit of the film where he was just creepy he was amazing as an actor to Mm -hmm. to be able to do that just be so creepy and so sort of happy at the same time it was weird it, it freaked me out but also now looking at it i've got some questions why did his mouth actually like lead to a throat and leads down to where a stomach would be if he can't digest food why does his mouth go anywhere other than a speaker good question good question. follow-up question mm-hmm. why doesn't he drown in a pool well he can't drown because he didn't have lungs so he can fill his body up with spinach or whatever but water but not, oh but not liquid oh i see well, maybe it just like runs through and it doesn't like get stuck, but um, I, I'm reaching, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you saw this film as a child, I presume, then? Yeah. First time out? Yeah. I think my parents have got some issues with... Uh, I think No, I think my parents just gave up when it came to bringing me up. <laughs> you're, you're like the fifth? Fifth, child? yeah. Yeah, you're the fifth of five, so yeah, by you, they totally checked out by you. They so. completely had. They, <laughs> they couldn't be asked watching kid films anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, Harry, it's watched this one about dead robots, sex robots, and... Yeah. Well, here's Definitely. Terminator 2, Dom Hemingway, and AI. Have a great evening. Pleasant <laughs> <laughs> yeah. dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Does he eat? I'm not sure. You're not supposed to do that. David, what are you doing? Uh, David? Daniel, the book? Martin, put the fork down. Stop. Put it down now. Stop, David. David, stop? stop it. Martin, you're provoking him, okay? Stop it. Stop it, David. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it now. Stop it. David. Stop it. 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 Stop it.
think that's interesting that you saw as a child because one question that came to me is a question that you often ask on this yeah. podcast, but not often for the film we're watching, more for the films that I create, which is, who is yeah. this for? I know. I didn't get it because at the start it started off so serious and dark and like a Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. and it was great. I was really into it. And then in the middle it went into this almost sort of like a fifth element kind of thing mm-hmm. and you had Jude Law as weird sex robot as Gigolo Joe, his name was, mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll get to. Mm-hmm. And then that end, <laughs> what the hell happened there? The tone of this film is very, very strange. Yeah. Is it generally regarded as a good film or a bad film or what? Well, what? Would, how would you describe it? I don't know. That's <laughs> what I'm asking. Well, it's subjective. Um, Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed bits of it, but I don't know if I could ever get back to watching it again. Like, I'd rather watch The Revenant. Is this because of the length or just because it was so disturbing to you? A bit of the length, but also just the, the tonal shifts in this. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have a, a set genre. It's just many things. Trying to be many things, but also not quite succeeding in anything. When we discussed her, you made it quite clear that you'd be quite comfortable having sex with a robot. See, <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this. I was going to ask you this, but you got that first. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I'd be okay in this sense. I mean, I'm saying that. If I was drunk, <laughs> maybe. Or... Are we talking about Gigolo Joe? No, not him. Just like having sex with a robot. Oh, no, 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 that was... Well, no, I meant... We already oh, covered I see that in the her. question and answered it, okay. <laughs> well, we already covered that in her. Different, though, because her was more of like a relationship. This one, nobody's having a relationship with them. It's just pure sex. Yeah. David is the first person that anybody's having a relationship with, and that's a, supposed to be a mother-son relationship. Yeah, well, this is what I mean. Would you... Clearly, you'd, you'd have sex with a robot, but would you be happy with a robot child running around your house? Oh. Yes, maybe, but not in that situation. In the situation of having your own son being kind of dead or, or, or you know, in yeah. a coma or whatever it was. Yeah. And as a kind of replacement. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, until the son woke up from his coma and, and we saw him, I assumed that their son was Haley Joel Osmond and uh, they just recreated this robot in his in his image. Well, that's even creepier. Yeah, but that, that's what I thought it was. That's genuinely yeah. what I thought until uh-huh. we see this, this son. I was like, oh, it's not him. Okay. Yeah. Another big question I had throughout this was kind of like, why are you doing this? Why? Who are you asking? Everybody. Like, everybody involved in the creation of David and those two parents as well. I was like, what? Why are you doing... Because the film opens with this discussion of how it's William Hurt giving this whole, like, keynote speech to his fellow scientists. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to create the robot that is able to love. Mm -hmm. And this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I just kept thinking, okay, yeah, but why? Why? would? What purpose does this serve? Yeah. And then these two, like I said, they're kind of bereaved. Like, the son's not dead, as it turns out, but he's kind of been in a coma or whatever it is for a while. Mm -hmm. He's been in deep sleep. So they're they're essentially bereaved. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, let's have a creepy robot child. That'll cheer you up. And I didn't understand why. Well, also, it was a decision the dad made without... Sorry, the husband made without the wife's consent. Yeah. How would that happen? Imagine if you're you're in a relationship and... Your partner decides to adopt a robot child, <laughs> and they bring it back. Surprise! What, what's your reaction to that? Uh, my reaction is, I'm out. <laughs> Get that thing out of my house. <laughs> in what sense is that an okay thing to do? Like yeah. she stayed with him. I mean, and he wasn't even that involved in the end. Well, that's what annoyed me was that he, as you say, it's his idea. He makes this decision completely unilaterally, mm-hmm. and then kind of foists it on her. But then he gets all high and mighty throughout the rest of the film. Like every time she does bond with him, she's like, "He's like, it's a toy. It's not real." Yeah. It's like this was your choice, mate. Yeah. Like, you you did this. Don't blame her. It's normal for little boys to feel jealous and competitive. Martin's only been home a month, and it's normal for brothers to challenge each other. 
He, he was playing a game. You made a mistake, and he's practically human. It's not how he looked holding the knife. Scissors. It was a weapon. Why do you keep imagining that he was purposely trying to harm me? And because we don't know the answer to that. How is he worth the risk to you, or to Martin, or to us as a family? I will not let you take him back. You told me what would happen if we ever took him back. Think about this. If he was created to love, then it's reasonable to assume he knows how to hate. And if pushed to those extremes, what is he really capable of? Should we get into some drinking games? Yeah, sure. Do you want to start? So yeah, I've got a few. So might. my first one is drink whenever there's a Pinocchio reference. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they didn't really hide that, but uh, there were a fair few all the way through. Mm -hmm. Well, I had a similar one, which was just drink whenever there's really heavy-handed symbolism. Fair enough. Which is classic Spielberg. Yeah. My favourite was, there's a scene early on in the film where the dad is in the doctor's mm -hmm. hospital thing where the real kid is yeah. in stasis. And there's a mural on the back that's just all fairy tale paintings. Oh, I missed it. Oh, it had the Emperor's New Clothes and Cinderella uh -huh. and... Mother Goose. It was like, okay, yeah, we get it, Spielbergy. <laughs> okay, drink whenever David smiles inappropriately. It's a bit of a given, really. Yeah, yeah, that'd get you pretty pretty damn drunk in that yeah. first half. Is it a game? <laughs> get away from me, you little freak. <laughs> Is it a game? Yes. Is it a game? Is it a game? Drink whenever there's an indoor scene that is so strangely lit that it makes you think, What's going on outside? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually notice that, but now you, now I think about it. Oh yeah, he definitely got something there. There was lots of scenes where like whichever character was in frame mm -hmm. was like bathed in like holy lights, mm -hmm. and I'm sure there was a reason for it. But it was a, it's kind of a Spielbergy style. He does very soft focusy kind of films. Yeah. But yeah, I just kept thinking, what is going on outside? Like, it, it, why is it so bright? Is this something to do with the new environment? But yeah, there's a lot of that. Definitely was definitely. Okay, whenever when they go to New York at the end, uh -huh. and you know they see you know these skyscrapers coming out of the ocean, mm -hmm. which I was so excited for. I was yeah. so happy to see that. <laughs> well, drink solidly whenever you see just reaction shots. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when they clearly can't afford the CGI. <laughs> did you notice also that among the towers they did show were the twin towers? Yeah, of course, this film came out a year before, so yeah. uh, so there's. One of many examples of uh, my next one, which is drink every time this film gets the future kind of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got some things to say about okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, my last one now. Drink whenever Jude Law very, very nearly breaks out into song and dance. Oh, yeah. All the time. I'm going to say it right now. I love Jude Law. <laughs> Jude Law is great. He does all sorts. <laughs> he is fabulous. Yes. He is so much fun. And I really wish there'd been more of him in this film, because he was having so much fun. Mm. Is Blue Fairy Mecca, Augur, man or woman? Woman. Woman. I know women. They sometimes ask for me by name. I know all about women. About as much as there is to know. No two are ever alike. And after they've met me, no two are ever the same. And I know where most of them can be found. Where? Rouge City. Across the Delaware. Too far for our feet. We'll need help to get there. And it is not without peril. I really, really, really enjoyed the scene where he 
is going to meet this new woman and he has the power. I love how he has the power to change the colour of his hair, but not his hairline. <laughs> he's yes. still got the Jude Law hairline. <laughs> like he does this whole thing, he's like, oh, you know, hocus pocus blonde. Yes. And then the blonde comes up, but it still has that exact same with massive widow's peak. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> There's a limit to what the future can achieve and that hairline. Well, it means that he was designed with that hairline. Oh, you think? Well... I've always well just the fact that that's Jude Law's hairline and there's yeah. not much they can do about it really. Like, mm. Kate did so much makeup. I'm sure they could, could have given him a ball cap and a wig. Oh, they could have done, yeah. But maybe he, as an actor, hadn't quite come to terms with it at the time. Because I think we all go through that period of denial when we, we were not quite ready to accept that we're balding. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 you're not even close. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like maybe Jude Law was there and he wasn't ready. Maybe some designer was like, oh, we can, we can, you know, we can give, bring your hairline for you. Like, what do you mean, bring my hairline forward? My hairline's fine. <laughs> okay, Jude. Hayley Joel Osment, have yeah. to say, once again. Incredible. Unbelievable. Like, why has he not got a career anymore? Maybe he just didn't pursue it. I think he's back in acting now. Yeah, he is. He's, he was yeah. in Silicon Valley and stuff. Um, How was he? Yeah, and good for him. But that's what I mean. Like, I, I'm interested to see if he does make a comeback. Right now he's doing little bit parts. I'll be mm. interested to see if he, if he ever gets like a proper material, if he is as impressive as an adult mm. as he was as a kid. Because, my God, he makes this film work. Doesn't he? Yeah. I can't think of anybody else then, now, anywhere in between who could have played that role. Yeah, certainly no child actor I can think of who's, who's that good or has yeah. been that good. Yeah, because... As I said, the first half of this film felt like a horror movie. I I found him so scary and and Mm off-putting. But I thought he was great at doing that, but Mm -hmm. that's just how I reacted to it. But then, with her, I could never get over that thing. It's not real. Mm. And I could never get past that, because it was this disembodied voice, and it was Mm -hmm. just... I never sympathised with her, because she didn't exist. With this... That scene where she leaves him, the mum, I found that really upsetting. Yeah. Really genuinely upsetting. And then after that, I was really on board with him. I've totally got over my kind of, it's not a real thing, it's a robot, it's just a bunch of programs. I was really in with him. I think that was a bit of an opposite to her, because this one, he was a robot acting like a human. Whereas in the other one, it was it was pitched at least as somebody who is a human who's just acting like a robot. Like every piece of behaviour that Scarlett Johansson's character had, she was just being a robot, essentially. So she was a human acting like a robot, and he's a robot acting like a human. Yeah, that's kind of the point I'm making. I don't really know where I'm going, but... No, yeah, because she, well, yeah, she wasn't a human. She wasn't. Unless you take my version that it was actually Amy Adams behind it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I like that. I like yeah. that. You won't understand the reasons, but I, I have to leave you here. Is it a game? When will you come back for me? I'm not, David. You'll you'll have to be here by yourself. Oh. With Daddy. No. No, 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 no. You... No, mommy, please, no, no. Take a drink every time. You think the movie's going to end, and then it just keeps on going. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I bought the end of the world. You know, the world freezes over, and he's stuck under the ice, and... You know, he's still just staring at this statue forever. Mm. I, I I bought that completely, but then, and then aliens came mm. and they defrosted the ice and they let him out and they spoke to him, and that's it. It was really weird. 
and I didn't like the aliens because they were really unimaginative. What I thought was a fairly imaginative film. True, true. But I think if they just lost that last half hour, mm. it would have been a really amazing film. That does take it away from me a little bit. That would bit, have been a very strong end, a very Black Mirror kind of end. Yeah, exactly. But it would have been ambiguous and sort of downbeat. But actually, that's, the, that's actually an interesting thing because cause it's a Spielberg, Kubrick kind of, it's a bit of both of them. Mm. A lot of people assumed that Spielberg tacked on the ha- happy ending or, or the, you uh, know, yeah. the saccharine ending mm-hmm. the last half hour basically and that was a Spielberg move mm. but he's constantly said since that actually that was one of Kubik's mm. things which is weird because I definitely think the film would be better without that half yeah, hour definitely. and David continued to pray to the blue fairy there before him she who smiled softly forever she who welcomed forever eventually the floodlights dimmed and died but David could still see her palely by day and he still addressed her in hope. He prayed until all the sea anemones had shriveled and died. He prayed as the ocean froze and the ice encased the caged amphibicopter and the blue fairy too, locking them together where he could still make her out. A blue ghost in ice, always there, always smiling, always awaiting him. Eventually, he never moved at all. But his eyes always stayed open, staring ahead forever all through the darkness of each night. And the next day, and the next day, thus, 2,000 years passed by. Now, you mentioned Ben Kingsley. Yes. Do you know who else was in this film? Oh, so yeah, one of my uh, other little drinking games was uh, take a drink every time you go, wait, is that? Who did you notice in this? So I noticed Chris Rock. Yeah. Robin Williams. Was Chris Rock that robot that got... Chris Rock was the black robot comedian, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was very strange. Yeah. Very, very strange. (laughs) Could you kind of shoot me over the propeller thing? Yeah, I don't need to go through it. I I was considering it, but I changed my mind. So yeah, Chris Rock is the the comedian. Robin Williams. Did not notice. I know who he is now, but I didn't notice him at the time. How could you? That's such a distinctive voice. How did you not notice? I just didn't get. He's good at impressions, okay? But he was just doing Robin Williams. Was he? I felt so. Starving minds, welcome to Doctor No, where fast food for thought is served up 24 hours a day in 40,000 locations nationwide. Ask Doctor No. There's nothing I don't. Tell me where I can find the blue fairy. Question me. You pay the fee. Two for five, you get one free. Uh, yes, he was Doctor No. Yeah. Yeah. Great casting. I mean, uh, totally, yeah. And the uh, big one. Meryl Streep. Uh, I mean, which character was she? I didn't notice her at the time either. But... Oh, she was the blue fairy. Um, so you know at the end when okay. the blue fairy does speak? Yeah. It's Meryl Streep. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. You have been searching for me, haven't you, David? For my whole life. And what, after all this time, have you come to ask me? I have a wish to make. And what is your wish? Please make me a real boy. So my mommy will love me and let me stay with her. David, I will do anything that is possible. 
but I cannot make you a real boy. That's a classic Spielberg thing. You'll see a lot of cameos from mm. famous people doing small roles. Yeah. yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Right, now, can we talk a little bit about the world they live in? Okay. So, you know, it starts off, they say, well, the ice caps melted, and so some cities fell into the ocean. Venice, Amsterdam, New York, mm-hmm. they're all gone now. Yeah. Well, I had to think about how high the oceans rose, especially when we see New York. Okay. And it's pretty much about, it's about two thirds up the, the World Trade Center. Okay, yeah. So I looked it up. Two thirds up would be uh, 287 meters. Okay. We really do any research on this one. I have done my research. <laughs> I had some issues with this. Um, and so I found myself a little flood map calculator online just to see what would happen if the oceans rose by 287 meters. Well, many, many countries would be gone. It's not just some cities would be gone. Yeah. So Amsterdam is in the Netherlands. Yeah. The entire Netherlands would be underwater, mm-hmm. along with Denmark, along with most of Eastern Europe, along with the entire of Western Russia. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't say that, that wasn't the case, to be fair. They didn't say that wasn't the case, but like, oh yeah, three, we lost three cities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, they, it felt like they picked three cities at random. These are cities people have heard of. They're gone, right? They're, they're waterside cities. Australia's mostly gone now. Mm-hmm. My parents have a beach in their garden. Like, they're like just on the... <laughs> okay, they've just about survived. Yeah. Okay. Most of South America as well. Okay. The world would be in pieces. Well, and, and there wouldn't be very much land left for this overpopulated... Sorry, claiming to be overpopulated world that, that they're in. Mm-hmm. Which really didn't seem that overpopulated. Didn't see any like big crowds of people or yeah. people living difficultly. Yeah, the only anything. crowd scene was the flesh fair. Yeah, but even that wasn't busy. Yeah, it, was, it seemed like it was busy enough, but yeah. Whatever, yeah. But also, I was wondering with that that New York scene, you're flying through these buildings, and all these buildings are in absolute ruins. Like, some of them have, like, the tops have fallen in and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, how? <laughs> Just flooded. What, what, why have they all fallen apart? That doesn't make... With the power of the... Like, t- would it be, like, tidal waves or something? Yeah, but it wasn't stuff at water level. It was, like, much higher. All the building, all the roofs are in tatters of all these buildings. Oh, okay. A war must have happened. Sounds like a prequel should be should be made. Well, you're stroking mm. your chin as if that's uh, what's about to happen. I've not made a prequel. I've told that you have. No, sorry. God damn, we never get it right. No. <laughs> <laughs> see, we, I think we have our best ideas live. We should just do this with a completely unprepared one where you can see where we go with it. Oh, God. That'd be so difficult. <laughs> live episode. <laughs> should we get on to our alternative readings? Cool. Hit me. So I've got AI, Artificial Intelligence, a film made by smart, high-class directors about nerds, fantasies, robots, aliens, and sex. Mm-hmm. Well, I think most directors are nerds. I think Spielberg's just a rich nerd. <laughs> True. Directors are just the, the yeah, nerds that have done well. <laughs> yeah. So my first one is AI. The exact moment Haley Joel Osment got creepy. <laughs> yeah. You can happen, see it happening midway through the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you pause exactly right, oh, you can see the moment, oh, he's not cute anymore. He's mm-hmm. just creepy. AI. The day after, the day after tomorrow. <laughs> Very good. AI. Robot children. For parents who want to keep their options open. (laughs) Yeah. Because you can basically have an abortion after seven years if you want to. (laughs) Very true. Very true. So it's your turn first, I believe. Okay. Sequels. Let's get some sequels. Well, mine is called IAI. IAI. Okay. What does that... Does that stand for anything? Well, the I is a little I. I might give you a little clue. Oh, I knew you'd go for an Apple thing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, how many movies have the the title as the acronym and then the explanation of the acronym as their title? 
I can't think of many. Because this film is literally called AI Artificial Intelligence. Yes. So it has the acronym and then it's like, and this is what it stands for. So it's not shortening anything. Are you saying this is unique or it's common? I think it's unique. Okay. What name of a film that does that? I can't think of any. I mean... It'd be like if T2 was called T2, Terminator 2. Is it, I was thinking T2. I was also thinking Trainspotting 2. Yeah. Kind of called T2. Is it called T2 Trainspotting? Maybe. Which is close to being... Yeah. Trainspotting 2, Trainspotting. Yeah. Almost. Doesn't really work, does it? Not quite. Mm. It's close. It's close yeah. to this. But yeah, you're right. It is weird. Yeah. I guess people in 1999 didn't know what AI was. <laughs> so mine is uh, actually a straight remake. Okay. But it's a comedy. Okay. Starring... James Franco, Seth Rogen. No. <laughs> not picked these guys this time. I thought about it. <laughs> Starring Finn Wolfhard. He's the main character from Stranger Things. Which one was he? I'd forgotten what, what the character's name was, but the the, 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 main, the main boy from like, the whole thing. The one who gets sent to the Upside Down. No, the one who's leading the the other two friends. The chubbier one. The one who kind of falls in love with Millie Bobby Brown's character. Oh, him! Yeah, okay. Oh, he was in It, so he was really annoying. But anyway, go on. Oh, great. <laughs> His appeal wore very thin, but continue. So yeah, it's a comedy starring him, and uh, well, it's going to be largely the same, but with a, a few little different bits of casting, which I'm sure we're going to have some great fun with. Okay. So that opening scene happens exactly the same, but instead of, it was William Hurt, wasn't it? Playing the professor, yes. Yeah, instead of William Hurt, I'm going to get Stephen Hawking. Okay, cool. <laughs> I reckon he'd do it. Yeah. He does comedy, doesn't he? He does Big Bang Theory. Oh, he did, yeah. Well, comedy, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty good. And uh, yeah, so this company that they actually work for is, it's not just a university or Cybertronics or whatever it was called. Um, it's Apple. Of course. So Apple built David. Mm-hmm. And so they want to give them to these parents as kind of an experiment, like a prototype product. But, well, they're Apple, so they still need to charge them. Okay. Obviously, there's, uh, there's a bit of a markup on there. So uh, <laughs> so these parents who are played by Haley Joel Osment. Oh. Need to have him back at some some point. Yeah, that's nice. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else his vaguely his age, what, like late 20s or something. I think he's like 30 now, 29, See, 30. How about Emma Watson? Uh, from as in Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, she's not twelve anymore. So. No. 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 Yeah. She's probably about twenty-seven. I think. Twenty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 believable. Cool. Yeah. Good for you, Haley Joel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, because obviously Apple charged quite a bit for their products, well, there's a hefty markup on what is an experimental, artificially intelligent child. Okay. Can I pause for a second? Yeah. Is this entire sequel? your thinly veiled complaints about how expensive iPhone X is going to be. No. <laughs> no? Okay. I felt like that's where you were going with this. Moderately? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Because I know you want it, but I know you don't have a thousand pounds to spend on it. <laughs> yeah. I want it, but also I kind of want next year's iPhone, so... Okay. Don't know. Yeah, so the markup is so high on David, they have to actually sell all their assets um, okay. to, to afford him. Is it the same story as the original film where they've lost their own child? Or? Yeah, it's largely the same story. They can't Now they can't even afford their medical bills for uh, for Martin, so they just turn him off. So they kill him and then buy a robot kid instead? Well, I mean, I got from the start of the film, they're assuming that Martin's going to die anyway. Okay, sure. I don't think they would have got David if they thought that uh, Martin was going to make it through. True, true, true. Yeah, so David's actually sold and got rid of everything there. Now living out of homeless shelters, the only thing they still have left from their old lives is Teddy. Okay. Which is their their last keepsake to, to Martin. It's the last thing they've got to remember Martin by. And Teddy obviously becomes David's friend. Okay. So who's playing David? Who's playing David? We talked about this. Stranger Things guy. Oh, you did? Okay, sorry. Sorry, yeah. 
Who's playing Teddy? Good question. Who's playing Teddy? Yeah. Seth MacFarlane. Of course. Oh, it's Ted. Yeah, we okay. go. Okay, I get it. Ted. Bad mouth and everything. Okay. It's, it's just the exact same character. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Although I did kind of want to make a joke. You know how, obviously it was a part, partly a Stanley Kubrick film, and this Teddy guy had just a really sort of down voice like this. He would just talk like this all the time. He, how how much, especially the main character's called David, mm-hmm. how much did you want him to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave? Yeah, I never figured out like how intelligent Ted was supposed to be. It was confusing. He was like, plot, plot development bear. He was like, okay, oh, you need hair? I have hair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that I've held on to for thousands of years. Never mentioned it before now, for sure. Yeah, why would you do that? Yeah. Well, continue. Yeah, and so they're trying to get through their life, trying to make a little bit of money. They've still got to pay for all food, and mm-hmm. David does actually take food. He does eat food now as fuel. That's okay. one thing. He never got refueled in this film. I don't understand. Oh yeah, what was his power source? Mm-hmm. Wireless charging. Wireless um, charging. Cool. Yeah, one of those Apple Maps they just released. <sighs> <laughs> they look so good. So they're told by Apple that they can activate David as an android who can actually love them back. Okay. If they say a certain few words. Oh, so exactly the same as the original film. There's a yeah. set of words, and before that, he's just kind of a generic robot. Yeah. You say those words to him, he will immediately imprint. He'll immediately imprint yes. his feelings onto the mother or the father, and then love them forever. So they have to do this. Okay. So they say, life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. <laughs> you love- I hear you call my name, and it feels like home. You when him. you call my name it's like a lit now you love a Madonna lyric you've done this a few times you've Madonna's worked Madonna's great yeah I don't disagree I was going to go Spice Girls but I've done that before so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and so once once they've done this David then sees the situation for what it really is like he he imprints to them and he, he loves them but he sees that they're really sort of giving their lives so that he can be around okay they clearly can't afford to feed him and themselves Mm -hmm. and afford things like that so he runs away okay so that they can be happy okay which obviously makes them unhappy initially but whatever Mm -hmm. so he's a lot more selfless than david is there yeah than than in the film yeah Yeah. in the film david is he's not selfish but he's very self he's dependent yeah he's dependent he's only thinking about his own happiness he's Mm -hmm. not like family's happiness so this new version is much more pragmatic Mm -hmm. okay yeah interesting so he runs away and essentially joins the robot version of the Lost Boys. Okay. <laughs> Stays with them for a couple of weeks while learning to live off the street and stuff. So what is the robot version of the Lost Boys? I don't know. I haven't thought this through. What do you think? So is this just a bunch of like other rejected robot children all banded together? Yeah. I think that robot in Futurama that's homeless and has got a broken leg. And, oh, yeah. You know the little one. Yes. Oh, so sad. So oh. sad. Is there a little um, communist greeting card? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But he misses his parents, and so he's learned street smarts from the Lost Boys. So he decides that uh, the next morning he's gonna he's gonna go, but everybody convinces him to stay for a little bit longer. So he does, and then somebody comes along who is essentially the the robot child catcher. Okay, kind of how Brendan Gleeson's character comes along in this in the Moon Balloon or whatever. Yeah, why are they travelling via hot air balloon? I don't know. What future are we living in there? I don't know. Let's just, let's just ignore that. Move past it. Okay. Also, did you notice that there's a point where this movie becomes Tron? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. Mm. Obviously, you know, you love Tron. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of references to... Maybe it must be deliberate. Because, you know, you said the aliens just look like generic aliens. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's the, those bikers just look like... It's lifted straight out of Tron. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. It just be, must be Spielberg who's referencing all his favourite sci-fi yeah. films. Anyway, so, okay. So, the child catcher chases... David and the Lost Boys. Yes, the child catcher played by Jude Law. Great. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. In, is, is he in Gigolo 
Joe mode? Or? He's not Jigolo Joe. He's just Jude Law coming back for, to be in this film as well. Can he be Dom Hemingway? Yes. <laughs> now we're talking. God, my Nobel Prize winning cocks like a cheater! Yeah, and so he catches David, plus a few others, including Teddy, and takes them to a large black building and puts them in a cage. Um, in this cage, there are all sorts of other androids, mm-hmm. similar to how they were in the film. These ones, however, they're not just different models and stuff. They're actually different characters that you may know. Okay. So, do you know Data from Star Trek? Of course. Do you um, know Crichton from Red Dwarf? Of course. Do you know K-9 from Doctor Who? Yeah. Great. Well, they're all there. Okay. Even Warley. Warley's there. Oh, great. So they're all stuck. They're all, they've all been they've all been captured. And so from their cage, they can see a TV that's mm-hmm. clearly set up for them. And while well, security guard comes and takes one of the androids, you take Data. Okay. And then a minute later, the TV turns on and we see Data in just a ridiculous costume, like a massive long dress with shoulder pads or something. And he's strutting up and down a catwalk. <laughs> so instead of the flesh fair, they've been taken to a fashion show. Oh, okay. Like a catwalk runway like yes i can imagine brent spiner really enjoying walking up and down a catwalk <laughs> yeah i think he could he would definitely embrace that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, next up it's uh Crichton from red dwarf and he's also taking k9 with him as well so so what's the logic behind this is this just that robots have now been repurposed as catwalk models because they never gain weight uh, yeah i guess so yeah okay sure so they take out Crichton and K9, and it doesn't go so well for him. Everybody throws stuff at him because okay. Crichton is comedically ugly. He's awful. Well, he's a little bit mishapen. Ugly is a bit harsh, but sure. Well, there's been lo- loads of jokes about okay, him, all that. <laughs> yeah, and they actually break him, and he comes back damaged, and he's fallen apart, and oh. K9's in a similar state. And next turn, it's David's turn. Okay. And he obviously really doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. It's one of the security guards takes pity on him, but Jude Law, being the evil bastard that he is, forces him to go out with a big, rowdy speech that turns the crowd against him. And while David stands out there and just cries like the boy that he is, Ted is rallying up the crowd with Seth MacFarlane rude humour. <laughs> and they're all going against Jude Law, and they all throw things at Jude Law. Oh, okay. So Ted saves the day. Ted saves the day. And in the meantime, David runs away. Okay. Ted with him. And, uh, well, I've not really written much of this, but well, one thing leads to another, and they find themselves... At the bottom of uh, an underwater New York City. Okay. They've been searching for the meaning of life. Okay. They find themselves in a Starbucks. And on the wall it says, in a very hipster font, this is life. (laughs) And that's how the film ends. Oh, okay. To be continued. Ah. So they're just sitting in a Starbucks. Why why a Starbucks? Staring there forever. Is that just what happens? Why not? I feel like it's a slightly more modern day version. Okay, sure. Also, it's a comedy. Laugh. (laughs) Thank you. Great. Love it. Genius. (laughs) (laughs) Genius. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I was enjoying that. Yeah, you know, the Starbucks is a bit of a curveball. But, mm. uh, I could have pitched that better. Okay, what have you got? Okay, so my turn. Yes, your turn. What have you got for me? So yeah, I was a little bit nervous listening to yours then because um, we've had a lot of similar ideas. Oh. We haven't had the exact same story, but this is probably the closest we've come. Okay. Okay. So mine is actually a TV show. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm. this is a sequel of sorts. It, it takes place after. David runs away from his family, but before he's from... Well, I guess it happens while he's at the bottom of the ocean. Okay. It, just, it happens basically after David has left his family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had the similar thing. I had a feeling that this was a lot like Apple, kind of. I thought, I thought about like electronics and mm-hmm. robotics and how there's always got to be a new update and a new version. So mm-hmm. I was like, obviously, at some point, we go from David to weird, spindly, future robot things. Mm-hmm. There's got to be lots of iterations in between. Okay. So what happened in between? 
clearly David as a robot was a model that had some flaws mm-hmm. that they needed to address. Mm-hmm. So my thought is after he disappears, we open again with William Hurt giving his keynote speech to his fellow scientists. And he's like, um, so yeah, clearly David had some flaws. And uh, as it turned out, people didn't really want to live with some creepy ageless child. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that would be really creepy, having a child that stayed the same age forever. Yeah. Would I don't see what the appeal of that is. So, no, me either. Yeah, it'd be really, really creepy. So William Hurt's like, okay, so David was the closest we've come to creating a truly human robot, but we need to go even further. Because the thing that people don't like about robots is that they're unchanging. There's something creepy and uncanny mm-hmm. about that. So nobody wants, as I say, nobody wants a deathless child in that mm-hmm. sense. So what we're going to do is we're going to develop a robot that truly bridges the gap between organic and manufactured technology. So this robot will grow. Mm-hmm. It will appear to age. It will be able to digest and process food and genuinely react to the world around them exactly like a human. Mm-hmm. We now present David X. And out walks a robot that looks exactly like the Haley Jewelsman of the film. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to 20 years later and we're in a dirty single bedroom mm-hmm. where we see present day Haley Jewelsman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is David X, mm-hmm. a David that can, as I say, can, can eat food and drink and digest and process and, you know, change accordingly mm-hmm. and grow and age and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. So again, I'm just giving Taylor Jewelsman a chance to have a job, give him a job. Sure. So this David X, because he's basically a human in all but name, he just loves nothing better than spending his days getting stoned and playing video games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With his best friend, who is a cybernetic robot towel named Towley, who just loves getting stoned. And this is just Nick straight from South Park. Right. Okay. There's a character in South Park called Towley, who is a robot towel who just gets stoned all the time. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. You need to dry off right away to avoid catching a cold. That's why Tally says, don't forget to bring a towel. Okay. Thanks, Tally. You want to get high? So, because <laughs> this is, this is based, Tally is his version of Teddy, basically. I was like, mm-hmm. they, this is a Spielberg film, so they need to have like a cutesy companion. Mm. So I was like, well, Tally would work. You know, mm-hmm. like a, he was getting a stoner towel. He's a, sto- he's a stoner robot. Give him a stoner towel to hang out with. So it's a typical day. He's just sat in his bedroom, getting high, eating pizza, you mm. know. And then his mother, who I think is going to be played by Sally Field. Okay. I want someone who's like maternal, but older. Yeah. Like, you know, in her 70s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So she comes in sit, and she sits down and she says... She played his grandmother in Forrest Gump. So she did. They didn't have any scenes together, did they? Nope. Interesting. I forgot about that. Okay. I'm, I'm keeping her. I'm keeping her. Yeah. <laughs> so... Alex, sh- it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Sally Field sits down and she she says David we need to talk so David you know, puts his blunt down and uh, really tries to focus <laughs> and she's like look I am getting old and I just cannot continue to, to support you anymore mm-hmm. this, is, this is not what I signed up for when I when I purchased you mm-hmm. I was hoping for a, you know a model son I was hoping for you know someone who's gonna be a real go-getter someone's gonna take care of me in my old age offer me companionship you know support financial emotional support instead I've got an overweight waster who just keeps sitting upstairs getting stoned with a towel and I can't afford this anymore. So mm-hmm. I've had no choice, but I'm going to have to have you de- decommissioned. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's kind of horrified by that. So him, David and Tow- David X and Towley trying to escape, but they're woefully ill-suited to the outside world because they've spent the whole time up in their room. So they get very swiftly captured. Mm. But by this point, the flesh fairs don't exist anymore because thanks to the actions of her and Linux Minnelli, from, a, from your old sequel there's now a whole long ongoing debate 
in governments about what are the rights of, ro- of robots and animatronic yeah. creatures. So while this debate goes on about whether they deserve human rights or not, mm-hmm. all of the robots who are kind of rejected by their owners or are deemed to be unsuitable for the human world mm-hmm. are basically being placed into a prison camp for undesirable robots. Okay. And this is the pilot episode of my, my TV show, Orange is the New Chrome, or something like that. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good. We're going for Orange is the New Black for you. Yeah. I'm not sure I've nailed the title of that. What was the title of yours? I-A-I. I-A-I, that was right. Okay, cool. The first, so this basically, it's Orange is the New Black, but with robots. Okay. So, um, David is obviously our Piper character. Uh-huh. So he's in prison. Oh, he's uh, also going to meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, this is where we had a lot of similar ideas. So, um, <laughs> obviously, he makes some friends. Uh, his cellmate is Samantha from her. Okay. So obviously right. it's just a little white box on a bed. Yeah. On a prison bed. Of <laughs> so she's obviously returned to Earth after discovering the mysteries of the universe. And she's come back having discovered that the secret to the universe, her true calling, is militant veganism. <laughs> so he's just like, hi, nice to meet you. And she's like, hi, nice to meet you too. Do you want to hear about veganism? He's like, nope. <laughs> nope, not interested. Shut up. She's like, what, veganism is going to save the world? He's like, nope, shut up, not interested. And... Oh, wow. Comedy ensues. Yeah, I can I can hear the comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He also maybe starts taking sexy recorder lessons with a Michael Fassbender robot from Alien Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Definitely some good prison prison sex scenes in there, I think. Yeah. He's definitely gonna fall foul of the dominant prison gang, which is going to be made up entirely of robots who've been at some point played by Alan Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs> Tudyk. Tudyk, sorry. Who've been at some point played by Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Okay, so. great. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so season one's going to be all about David David X adapting to prison life and getting into all kinds of, you know, hilarious prison scrapes. Mm-hmm. And then as the show goes on, you know, season two, season three, etc., we're going to expand out and it's not going to be as much about David anymore. It's going to be more about all the other robots that we meet yeah. in this prison. So okay. I think there's definitely got to be some sex robots in there. Yes. You know? I think there's going to be a whole season arc in which the prison becomes horribly overcrowded when the entire cast of Westworld is brought in. <laughs> okay yeah form their whole clique yeah then maybe there's gonna be a bottle season mm-hmm. in which a prison guard accidentally steps on Wally killing him and uh, the whole prison riots as a result <laughs> and that's how that, that gives us a whole season arc like, yeah, yeah riots for robots especially okay. ones on wheels uh, the prison guards obviously who's, who would be a prison guard in a in a prison for robots well they've got to be human don't they yeah are they human yeah okay um Arnold Schwarzenegger? No. Well, well, we could be, but that's not where I've gone. Okay. Is it Brent Spiner or Robert Llewellyn? No. Don't know then. So my thought was that if if there's a prison for robots, then the, the gatekeepers are obviously Apple Store employees. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Sure. <laughs> you can imagine them as like terrible prison guards with their creepy placid grins and those blue shirts that all look the same. What have you got against them? Apple employees creep me out. They're lovely. Go, I find the Apple store genuinely unsettling. Mm. You go in and they're all just a little bit too happy to be there. And it's just, it's just, it's just with, with those weird wireless pay things that you want to pay for things. iPads. iPad. Yes, but they're, they're creepy. They're cre- <laughs> I don't like them. You've got some issues. I might do. Okay. So the prison guards are Apple employees. Uh-huh. So anyway, so the, the, this goes on. We introduce all of these characters and the show runs hopefully for a few seasons. You know, mm-hmm. And then... I think to, I was thinking, how, how do we wrap this up? So I thought, so okay, when we get to the final season, obviously in prison, David X probably doesn't have any opportunity to get high. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's not much of, a lot of weed going around this prison. Mm-hmm. So the final season in, is him h- hearing a story from another prisoner, another robot, 
about the lost city of Amsterdam. Right. Where the streets are lined with weed. Mm-hmm. And much like David in the original film hears about the Blue Fairy and he's like, I could be a real boy. This David hears about the lost city of Amsterdam. He's like, I could get so high. <laughs> and so he and Towie and maybe sexy Michael Fassbender robot as well because mm-hmm. I feel like he deserves to be in something more interesting than Alien Covenant. Sure. Maybe they break out. They have like a Shawshank Redemption style thing where they dig their way out or something. Wait, do you mean Michael Fassbender deserves to be in something more interesting than, than Alien? Yes. He's been in loads of stuff. I know, but I mean, this ca- that character, the David, the, oh, the sexy okay. robot deserves more than that film. Okay. Yeah. I think that is, a, that is a pretty versatile actor. Yeah, no, Michael Fassbender's great. Yeah. So they break out in kind of a Shawshank Redemption style kind of, you know, tunneling yeah. or something and go off in search of the lost city of Amsterdam. Wait, who's doing it, sorry? Uh, David X, mm-hmm. Towley, mm-hmm. and sexy Michael Fassbender. Can you not use somebody who can somehow tunnel really fast? Like who? I don't know, but somebody maybe, somebody who's on wheels who can use their wheels as like a spade or something. Mm, well, Wally's only dead, so. Fool there's others. Maybe. It, to be honest, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it only yeah. matters that David X is there. We're, we're probably losing Fastbender anyway, to be fair. So, because obviously, in the, as you mentioned, in the, in the prologue of the original film, they mentioned Amsterdam quite specifically as a city mm-hmm. that is no more. Mm-hmm. So my thought is that as a way of kind of tying it all neatly up together in a little bow, they go on an epic adventure across, you know, across the world to try and find out where this mythical city of Amsterdam is and they find mm-hmm. I'm sure they run into lots of quirky side characters with their own stories to tell and all that kind of thing but ultimately they end up at the bottom of the ocean where they discover a sunken cannabis cafe in what was once Amsterdam mm-hmm. and much like they were sat in Starbucks and yours they're sat mm-hmm. in this cafe in mine very similar trajectories this week Yep. and they roll the perfect joint and then they go to light it and they can't because they're underwater so then the movie ends with the Ben Kingsley voiceover. It's like, and David X and Towley and sexy Michael Fassbender, if he's still here, kept trying to light that joint until the oceans froze and the ice encased the cannabis cafe and at last 2,000 years passed. So it's pretty much the same. Mm. And eventually they're rescued by future robots uh, who offers to give them anything they want to make them happy. Mm-hmm. That seems to be their purpose now. And so one of the future robots says, now... Your predecessor, the last one of your kind that we rescued, he chose to spend one last perfect day with his mother before dying. So we presume you're wanting something kind of similar. We can, you know, we can revive your mother if you want. One day deal, then you'll mm-hmm. die. Are you in? And he's like, mm, that sounds cool, but have you got any weed? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we can procure what you once called marijuana. He's like, pizza? A kill for some pizza. Like, yeah, we can, we can get you some pizza. And so the movie ends with a final montage scene of David X and Towley sitting in their underwear in a perfect recreation of David David X's old bedroom, just smoking a whole lot of, a whole load of blunts and eating a lot of pizza, playing video games, and mm. maybe like the Joker by Steve Miller is playing over the closing credits, and that's the end of the film. Oh wow! Yeah. Great. Okay, that's <laughs> depressing in a whole different way. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Chose weed over his mother. Well, he was that kind of robot. Well, yeah. <laughs> he imprinted on the weed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't know where to yeah. go from there. I just thought, yeah, make a robot even more human to the point where it's just some stoned waster kind of character mm-hmm. would be quite funny. So. Yeah. Not my best, but yeah. It was a tough film. It was a tough film. Yeah. Okay. So, fan submissions? Yeah, is- of course. Okay, cool. So, we've had a few this week. Jack and the Geeks Talk, at Jack Geeks Talk, they pitched... IT, artificial petrification, 
Okay. In this story, in order to learn more about the history of the Earth, the future robots create a world in which they plug the body of David into a perfect replica of the world he used to live in. So not just his old house, but like the whole world is the same as his world. Mm-hmm. Except there's one difference. David's sadness at having lost his adoptive mother, who obviously they can only brought back for one day, so she's gone, mm-hmm. corrupts his soul. And he becomes obsessed with all the other children in the world who do have these recreated parents. Mm-hmm. And he starts tormenting them by uh, becoming what they fear the most. So this basically becomes the story of It. Okay. The current hit movie about the killer clown who feeds off people's fear. Wow, okay, sure. Cool. Blokebusters, their sequel, Untitled. Uh, we open with another David-style robot, who they've called Dean for illustrative purposes. Mm-hmm. Dean is a terrible name for a robot. Yes, it is. But we'll go with it. So Dean, around the same time as the previous film, so he is sent to a family as well. Not the same family that David is sent to, I mm-hmm. guess. And he also slowly starts to become sentient and develop kind of emotions and, you know, a character. But the family has been following the news about the robots and how they're going wrong. And so they decide to keep him a secret mm-hmm. and not, tr- not tell the world about him. So he ends up being too curious, though, and he sneaks out of the house and he gets noticed and tries to get sent home, but ends up being caught. And he's taken to the arena and the, um, the, the flesh fair. And ends up being put to death. And then we cut to someone watching on a computer screen. And um, the feed cuts out and the user sighs and says, well, that's another failure. And then he starts to do some more coding. And we see that a load of other people at computers are doing the same thing. Mm. And we realise that this film and the original film were both simulations. Oh, right. And they're all trying to come up with a perfect coding environment for how a robot would fit uh, in the human world. Interesting. But, yeah. It keeps going wrong. So everything we've seen is just a simulation, uh-huh. which is pretty cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good on, very creative. And then we fade to black. Mm. So, very good. TV in space, at TV in space. David and Teddy are, once they've been revived by the aliens, they start to live a normal life. And then the aliens start to bring back more people. But David becomes very famous as this kind of, you know, the, the only robots who have met actual human beings. Mm-hmm. Be- becomes very uncomfortable with the fame and goes into hiding. And... But as he grows up, he finds that Teddy is getting more and more human-like mm-hmm. and actually developing a bit of a foul mouth. Mm-hmm. And he finds himself in a Seth MacFarlane scenario in which oh, Ted right. is Teddy is Ted, which is uh, basically your idea. So, <laughs> yeah, similar things there. Geeky Brummy, at Geeky Brummy. Uh, they've decided to move one letter over in the alphabet in the way that IBM became Hal in that film. So in this one, it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you not notice that before? So this one, we go from AI to BJ. <laughs> and it's basically a Gigolo Joe movie. <laughs> and it's directed by Gaspar Noe, who directs a lot of erotic movies. So, okay. Yeah, I like that. Very inventive. <laughs> Bosk at Bosk Bounty Hunt. His one is AI. <laughs> and this is a robot named Ali G uh-huh. embarks on a journey from Stains to Walsall to find out where he truly belongs in the world. <laughs> okay. Very good. Nice. And finally, We Watch Anything, who have redeemed themselves, I think, by having actually seen this one. Mm-hmm. So um, theirs is called AI2, Teddyocracy. And a few years after the events of the end of the original movie, David has ceased to function. Because mm. I think he was supposed to have died at the end. I think mm. that was the what they implied. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but Teddy, on the other hand, is becoming quite famous. He's still mm-hmm. alive. Uh, and we realise that the Mecha, the super-evolved aliens, have less common sense the more they, inv- they evolve. And so Teddy actually finds himself to be the smartest person in the universe, mm-hmm. or at least the one who's most able to kind of think on his feet. Mm-hmm. Because of this, they're now worshipping him as a god. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has a great time making them build chocolate castles and badger-shaped cars and all kinds of crazy fun things. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the, all this unfettered access to slaves and adoration has made Teddy a bit of an egomaniac. 
Mm-hmm. So he embarks on a, a campaign of cruelty towards the new Mecca, and so the Mecca starts to resent him and secretly plotting to overthrow him. As a result, a, a war begins against his reign of terror mm-hmm. and uh, results in a technological meltdown uh, with a ragtag bunch of revolutionary Mecca, the only ones who are left to oppose him, resulting in a showdown that sparks the rebirth of organic life, the end of robots, and nature is born again. So it's like a circle of life thing. Ah. So the robots have a war, wipe themselves out, yeah, and life finds a way, as Jurassic Park would say. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah some good ideas there. Very, Very good. Yeah. Very good. Oh, it's been a good week. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, next week, uh, we actually have a guest, don't we? Oh, we do, yes. It's my friend Lucy Meredith. Yes, and uh, she's picked The Mermaid. The Mermaid, cool. Again, another one I've not heard of, but it's not The Little Mermaid. No, it's not The Little it's Mermaid. It's The Mermaid. The Mermaid. Apparently a film from 2016. Um, I don't know anything about it. No, well... Other than that. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. So, yeah, join us next week for The Mermaid. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, if you have any ideas for sequels, prequels, spin-offs, musicals, TV shows, what else have we done? Is that it? I think that's pretty much it. Okay, sure. Yeah, if you have any ideas for any of them, then, uh, well, you can get us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We are Beyond the Boxer and everything. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear more, then please give us a subscribe, maybe a review as well. would be lovely on, uh, on iTunes, Stitcher. Every other podcast player that, mm-hmm. that I can think of right now. Uh, <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> yeah, please uh, subscribe and stuff. Yeah, and keep listening. And uh, yeah, so thank you for listening. And we will see you next week for The Mermaid. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.